Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's sermon. We wanted to extend a special invite to our date night with a purpose on Thursday, October 19th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. You can find out all the details of this exciting free event at hillsidechurch.us forward slash marriage. We hope you can join us. This is not only for married couples, but dating couples intending to get married. I know this event will encourage and equip you in this significant relationship. Now let's sit back and enjoy this week's sermon. Today we're going to spend some time on the Holy Spirit. So the statement is, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Like that's it. That's where we're going to camp out today. Two things before I unpack that. First, we're going to pray about a situation, a circumstance globally. And then I'm going to share a little funny and then we're going to get into the message. All right. But I want to invite you to pray with me. I'm not sure if you have heard or are aware of the news. There's a good chance that you are by this point in time. But Israel is in war, in conflict. And there's a lot to it. There's a lot we don't know, but as with our own situations, there's a lot to them and there's a lot we don't know, and yet we're invited and really even commanded to do what? Pray, to trust the Lord and to stand and um, believe by faith that God can do some amazing things. We uh, grieve. I shared with first service, I'm full of joy, full of passion. But I'm also grieving for the lives that have been lost on the Israeli side and on the Palestinian side. You know that all have been created in the image of God, somebody. And God grieves any loss of life, especially taken through violence and especially taken through war. And so Jesus led the way. He would even pray for his very enemies. And, and, and we're, not, uh, um, we're not invited to get into the geopolitical scene other than to follow Jesus, to pray, to pray pray and to stand by faith and trust that God can move. So I want to invite us to do a moment as we pray, as the scriptures say, pray for Jerusalem, to pray for Israel and to pray over this conflict that God would bring peace. Amen. Would you join me just for a moment? Lord, we come before you this morning and we ask God for the peace of Jerusalem. Your word says to pray for the peace of of Jerusalem. And so, Father, we take that stand right now, corporately, together. Many of us have taken that individually, Lord. We've prayed since the moment we found out about the news. But, Lord, we know there's, there's power in a corporate setting, Lord. And so, as a church, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for the peace of the Middle East, God. We ask that you would move and for the leaders, all those engaged in decision-making. Father, we pray that you would give them wisdom from heaven, Lord, that they would not act in their own strength or own capabilities. We pray that you would give the leadership of our country and how to engage and to be involved. Great wisdom, Lord, and discernment. Lord, not to operate in their own strength or wisdom, but from heaven, Lord, that you would guide them and you would lead them. Lord, we pray for protection of, of innocent lives, God, protection of the vulnerable, God, the poor, the marginalized, God, those that, uh, unbeknownst to them, woke up to being on the front lines of this conflict. Lord, we ask uh, that you would send your angels, give them charge over that region, God, and that, uh, Lord, violence would cease 
And Lord, that they would experience the Messiah, the true Son of the living God, Jesus the Christ, Lord, who is called the Prince of Peace. We believe it, Lord, and we ask for a move. And globally, Lord, we ask for wars to cease, God, and that your kingdom would advance. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So we're getting closer now to, I believe, in the Holy Spirit. But you know, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is joy, somebody. And a small dynamic of joy is a joke. So here we go. A loving couple had two little boys, aged eight and ten. Uh, they were just terrible kids. There's no way about the season of life they were in. They were constantly, constantly getting in trouble. Running out of ideas, they decided to look to the church. You ever been there? Don't raise your hand. They heard that a clergyman in town had been successful in disciplining children in the past. So they called him, and he agreed to give it a shot. He asked to see the boys, not together, but to see them individually. So the eight-year-old was sent to meet with him first. Clergyman sat the boy down and asked him sternly, Now, where is God? The boy made no response. So the clergyman repeated the question even louder, Where is God? Again, the boy made no attempt to answer, so the clergyman raised his voice even more, this time shaking his finger at him and, and shaking his Bible right in his face and said, Where is God? The boy, shocked, suddenly ran out of the room. He ran all the way home and slammed himself in his closet. His older brother followed him into the closet and said, well, what happened? The younger brother replied, we are in a big mess of trouble. God has gone missing, and they think we did it. <laughs> We're only going to go uphill from here, everybody. Okay. As we've been weaving our way... Um, through the creed, I've got to say, I uh, originally intended to put this week's message and next week's message together. But on just further study and reflection, I really wanted to give pause to one of the persons of the Holy Trinity, the Holy Spirit, uh, a, vital, a vital dimension of our relationship with God is a relationship with the Holy Spirit. A part of my... Um, Personal story is, if you were to say, well, when did you really ever think about the Holy Spirit as a person? I distinctly remember being at Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee. I was a junior in college, and I spent a semester studying what was called the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And it was something I'd never given too much thought to. Um, I can say I experienced the Holy Spirit. I in, had a life-giving, encountering experience with God, gifts of the Holy Spirit, life of the Holy Spirit, seeing signs and wonders and miracles, hearing the voice of God. And so I could reflect and, and kind of leading by or living by experience, I knew that the Holy Spirit existed. But there was a portion of time where it was just so I felt like healthy for my soul, healthy for my spiritual development to recognize the Holy Spirit is a person. that Throughout the scriptures, you don't see him in the back seat, so to speak. The Trinity doesn't work that way. It's not 
God the Father, way down here, God the Son, and then almost forgotten, God the Holy Spirit. No, they're walking and working in unity together. And so I want to unpack for a few moments some what I would call key scriptures about the Holy Spirit and um, maybe some essential beliefs for you to think about and to contemplate. And I hope um, to put a desire, a longing for even more of a relationship with the Holy Spirit in your life. But before I do, I want to invite you to, to, to use your imagination. All right? I want you to use your imagination. Here's what I want us to do. It's, it's, it's not too far-fetched, let me say this. I believe it's an appropriate and accurate way of reading some of the gospel stories. Where, on any given moment in the gospels, you can see the activity of the Holy Spirit. I call this short moment of the message a day in the life of the Holy Spirit. You ever had a documentary or listened to a podcast or heard the song? Beatles wrote a song, A Day in the Life of. Not promoting that, but it's out there. It's this thought, a day in the life of, you know, a pastor. A day in the life of a lawyer. A day in the life of a wife. A day in the life of a parent, you know. A day in the life of... Well, I want us to think for a moment, a day in the life of the Holy Spirit. And reading um, some thoughts I had written down, let me just share these. If we were to read the Gospels and find a day in the life of the Holy Spirit, it would be easy to find. We would simply be following Jesus throughout his day. We can envision that upon waking up, the Holy Spirit has drawn Jesus aside for a few moments of prayer where he spends time with his heavenly Father. We could see the Holy Spirit being present and filling that very area of prayer with the love, the peace, the hope, the mercy, and the goodness of the Father. Jesus may move from prayer to talk with his disciples. The Holy Spirit has formed his thoughts to what really matters in the moment, to not skip ahead to what's coming, but to be present, to be alive, to be aware of the moment that he's in. Maybe the Holy Spirit has encouraged him to go speak with Judas, cover some financial matter or 20. Maybe the Holy Spirit has asked him to circle around with Matthew about some doubts or fears he's been having. Or maybe the Holy Spirit has just filled him with unspeakable joy and he can't wipe the smile off of his face. As the day continues, Jesus maybe is confronted by religious leaders who are out to trap him and condemn him. The Holy Spirit's there to remind Jesus of how he's the beloved son of God and that he can respond with nothing but love, with peace, and at the same time challenge and share the truth about the issue behind the issue the Pharisees and Sadducees keep bringing up. So Jesus, in that moment, he kindly, graciously shares with them that they are bought into the lies of the enemy. And how if they're not careful with their lives, they'll actually lead people away from the kingdom. Jesus moves on to worship in the temple. And we may wonder, well, where's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's been with Jesus from that moment of baptism when the Spirit descended as a dove and empowers Jesus for ministry. And he moves into the temple, and moments later, these Pharisees and scribes and leaders of the religion of the day 
are trying to get him into another trap this time. But this time they've got evidence. This time they've got some laws and regulations from the First Testament on their side. And so they bring a woman that is struggling as they're dragging her through the sand. They bring her into the temple courts and say that she's just been caught in adultery. And Jesus is mindful. He's been walking with the Holy Spirit, connected to the loving heart of his heavenly Father. And so the tension in the room never pierces his soul. The panic, the aggression, the violence that is on a knife's edge as they are all holding rocks in their hand. You can picture with me the Holy Spirit reminding Jesus of some other scriptures in the First Testament, how mercy triumphs over judgment and how along with truth, grace can be found and how God is full of love towards those. And the Holy Spirit perhaps is even echoing words that would be to come from the Apostle Paul as he was writing and said that on our worst day, God met us. But while we were yet sinners, Jesus would die for us. And so, full of the Holy Spirit, Jesus looks at these religious leaders and says, I have an idea. I have, a, I have a thought for you. I see your rocks are in hand. I see your plan is moving ahead. Let me ask you, why not, whoever is here without sin, you be the first to throw? And in a moment, the conviction of the Holy Spirit silences the crowd. And from the youngest to the eldest, they all drop their stone and move away. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, says, neither do I condemn you but also full of the Holy Spirit says, go and sin no more. Jesus may continue in his journeys and upon one uh, portion of the road, a man called Bartimaeus is crying out, yelling out. He's been blind from birth. He can't see. And in a moment, the Holy Spirit quickens Jesus. Now's the time for a healing. And a miracle you can almost picture it shoots out of the hands of Jesus to heal this man that was blind from birth. And in a moment, the blind that was inside is now opened as well as what is in the outside. And he can see that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You could do this exercise anytime you open your scriptures to get a glimpse of what the Holy Spirit is like and to see and picture how the Holy Spirit operates is to read the Gospels and to see Jesus' promptings, to see his reactions. He is a life full of the Holy Spirit. And it's a life that Jesus longs to invite you and me into. That the day and culture we live in is that our beliefs would be believed that I believe in the Holy Spirit doesn't just fit a nice plaque or frame on the wall, but it is seeped into the very bones of our being. That the fruit of our lives is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That the discernment we carry in every room we walk into, the peace that we carry, the prayer that we carry, the passion that we carry is not birthed out of a good time of coffee in the morning or birthed out of our own intellect or the strength we possess. No, it's birthed from a supernatural movement of God within us. The Holy Spirit is not to be feared. He's not to be subjected 
outside of the Trinity? No, he's to be invited and seen and worshiped and celebrated as a faithful member of the Trinity. That was a mouthful, wasn't it? I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the activity and the life and the work of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, 15 through 21, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you. And here's the kicker. He will be in you. I will not believe you, I will not leave you, excuse me, as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Holy Spirit is an active part of what we call the Godhead, the Trinity, the three in one. He's a person. And his activity is alive in all who follow Christ. Paul would say, the Apostle Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament, he would actually say, it's impossible for anyone to say Jesus is Lord except through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit draws the heart of humanity. It, it knocks on our door. It's the, it's the inner witness, the inner drawing of the Father himself from our wayward ways as perhaps a prodigal or our self-righteous ways, so we thought. As an older brother, the Holy Spirit draws us all into the Father's house. Holy Spirit is, if I could sum it in a statement, it is the experience of God. Theology is the study towards the knowledge of God. The experience of God is some of the mystery you got going on in your life. You know, as some have said, the more I pray, the more coincidences occur. You ever heard that? It's like I might be praying for this over here, and then this over here shows up out of nowhere. It's those coincidences, those holy coincidences, those mysteries of the Holy Spirit moving in our midst and in our lives. And they're to be embraced, they're to be welcomed, and we must put a level of intentionality towards this relationship. Many in our day live with a trinity that is Father, Son, and Holy Bible. That's a lesser trinity than the one God created. The Bible is valuable. It is incredible. I believe the truth and the authority of Scripture, no doubt about it. But it is pointing to a life full of the Holy Spirit. The Trinity has never been Father, Son, and Holy Scripture. It has always been Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The experience, the life, the peace of God. It's reflecting on a story about a Korean man, young man, on his deathbed in the 1950s. And um, in the, the, the region, 
Korea at the time was not um, devoted to God. They had not experienced a massive revival yet. That was to come, but in this day and age, they um, were, were polytheistic, multiple gods. And he's on his deathbed. He's lying on his deathbed, okay, at home. And he's crying out. It's, it's not only been a bad night, but he's been given a limited amount of time, limited amount of days to live. And he's calling out and he's calling on this God. <laughs> he's calling on this God. He's calling on, you know, desperation. He did a lot of things, called on a lot of different gods. Little G, of course. And in his final moment of pleading, he calls out and he says, if there is a God out there who can heal, Help me. Coincidence occurs. Across the street, a young lady who's being trained for Christian ministry unexpectedly, unknowingly is walking past a home on the road. She feels a divine drawing to approach one specific home. And all she can say, the way she frames it is, I felt a divine urgency of God's love towards that home. So she yielded, walked across the road, knocked on the door. A mother opened the door, a little surprised, a little staggered. And this young Christian lady, she looks at the mother and says, this is going to sound strange, but uh, I was just going for a walk and I felt this drawing in my spirit to cross the road. And to say, is there anything I can be praying with you for? The mother begins to weep and says, in this room over here, my son is dying. He's been given days to live. The lady goes in, shares, there is one God above all other gods. That there is one name under heaven and earth that can save, deliver, set free, and heal. And this man calls upon the name of Jesus. And in a moment... He is healed and made whole. Story doesn't end there. Dr. Yonggi Cho would move from that deathbed to become the pastor of the single largest church on the entire planet with over half a million members and begin a radical revival in Korea. What is that? It's the experience and activity of the Holy Spirit in the life of the followers of Christ. The beautiful invitation for us is to follow those promptings, to follow those moments. There are moments we're praying for provision where it's a tangible need that's meant. There are moments of healing. There's moments of great peace during loss, during grief. It is the experience of a God that story is written on every page of the Holy Scriptures that is given to us as a gift, but the gift is not, you know, just read it and enjoy it. No, it's read it and experience the life of God in your very being, in your day-to-day -day walk. There's an empowerment. There's a, a sense of overcoming that comes for the life of the believer, not simply by an intellectual, rational understanding of the Scriptures, but through an abiding, active relationship with God, made possible through the life of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the life source we need. The Holy Spirit sometimes is given a bad rap, somebody. 
There are some who know and have heard about the Holy Spirit primarily for the gifts of the Spirit. I love the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But the trouble is, go figure, sometimes humans begin to think it's themselves and they begin to manipulate or try to uh, coerce the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's okay. Because we can forgive humans. Lord knows I need forgiveness. But I've often thought there's two primary, primary regions I feel like the enemy. Go with me in your imagination again. If you're the enemy, where would you like to cause confusion for believers? One I've seen on the subject of generosity. That's another time, another place. But another area is the life of the Holy Spirit. That people, whether well-intentioned or ill-intentioned, wanted to use the Holy Spirit to manipulate, to coerce, to condemn. I've heard some strange things about the Holy Spirit. But my experience with the Holy Spirit has been nothing but remarkable. My testimony of the Holy Spirit is He is a positive, encouraging, loving, tender, full of supernatural power, empowering. In a word, intimacy. Because of the Holy Spirit, I've come to understand the heart of our Heavenly Father. Intimacy with the Holy Spirit, I've come to understand the power of the blood of Jesus, the power in the name of Jesus. In a word, intimacy, when wounded, hurt, experienced trauma, not me personally, others have experienced trauma, in the secret place with God, they've been healed because of the work and activity of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not to be feared. Holy Spirit is to be invited to draw near, to walk in a life-giving way. John chapter 16, verses 8 through 11, it says this of the Holy Spirit, that when He comes, He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. I also should say, I'm so grateful for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Because nobody knows stupid better than the Holy Spirit, somebody. And nobody knows how prone I could be to stupid like the Holy Spirit, somebody. But also, nobody knows the subtle lies and whispers of the enemy to get us from the straight and narrow towards the broad, destructive path that ends with distance, hell, and separation from God. Nobody knows it like the Holy Spirit. And so scriptures would say in Romans, it's his kindness, the Holy Spirit, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance, leads us back into that place of like Eden, intimacy, relationship, loving union with God. That's possible through the Holy Spirit. John 16, Jesus says, listen, he'll convict in regard to sin, righteousness, judgment, in regard to sin because men do not believe in me, in regard to righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and in regard to judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. The Holy Spirit is an invitation to experience God himself.
Holy Spirit comes up in the first two verses of your Bible. In the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, 1 through 2. In verse 2 of chapter 1, it talks about the Spirit hovering over the waters of the deep. He's right there in the beginning. And you could see the Holy Spirit's activity all throughout the First Testament. It's mysterious and unique in nature, but it's in many ways an empowering of what is needed at the time. He would speak through the prophets, and he would empower them. It's almost like he would come upon them for a distinct moment. In the New Testament, um, the relationship goes to another level, where the very Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, comes upon all who follow and believe. And the language is used is Paul would say, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how our scriptures um, share it. But in the original language, it's active. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's to abide and stay in step with this Holy Spirit. My invitation, my encouragement to you is to consider the, the Holy Spirit and to consider his activity in your life. One of the greatest ways is to begin your day with the Holy Spirit. Yes, begin your day with Scripture. Absolutely. I begin my day, and Scripture is heavily involved. But why not begin your day, put the Scripture to the side, and just for a moment, slow down, calm down. One exercise you could do, just hypothetically, you could lift your hands before the Lord. Say, Holy Spirit, help me today. Maybe there's distinct areas of temptation that keep crippling you, keep as an obstacle, keep overwhelming you. Can I tell you? Invite the Holy Spirit. Can I encourage you? Invite the Holy Spirit to help you. God, this arena of my life, I know it shouldn't be so because your word says it shouldn't. But God, I've got a habit that needs breaking. Would you help me, Holy Spirit? Would you strengthen me, Holy Spirit? God, I have this ailment in my body. Don't act like it doesn't exist. Bring it before the Lord. God, would you bring healing? Would you bring wholeness? Would you help me, Lord, to, to be your hands and feet? Would you empower me, Lord, to be an encourager, an uplifter? Holy Spirit's very helpful at getting our eyes off of ourselves and onto others, to be caring, to be loving, to be kind. Holy Spirit can keep us on mission in a world that has overwhelmed distractions. Somebody, am I the only one who feels that? Jesus, let me just throw this out. This is for free, y'all. You don't have to pay for this next part. This is for free. Jesus would share about the parable of the four soils. I was about to say the four sawyers. No, it's Huckleberry Finn. The four soils. If you're like, Pastor, which soil is plaguing us? I believe it's number three. Worries of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, aka distraction, busyness, productivity. It's dangerous to care more about what you do than who you are and who you're becoming. God never created you a human doing, created you to be a human being. Be. And who we are being and becoming is important to the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit helps with all of that. I've taken it upon myself 
It's a recent practice for me. I have a quiet time, but the last about five days, I've tested out my own sermon. I've asked the Holy Spirit, would you help me? These are areas I know, impatience being one of them. Lord, help me to become more patient. My wife can affirm I am not 10 for 10 these last five days. But my plan is to keep practicing. Just like the greatest doctors in the world, I plan to keep practicing. Just like the greatest lawyers in the world, I plan to keep practicing. Just like the greatest athletes of all time who are prone to mistakes, or like Michael Jordan himself who missed more shots than he made. I'm going to keep practicing. Some of us need to be less heavy-handed when you make a mistake in your faith walk, everybody. Sometimes you're your worst critic. Holy Spirit helps you with that. Holy Spirit, help me. Empower me. What if we did that as a church? Holy Spirit, fill us. Empower us. Lead us to love well. Lead us to forgive our enemies. Lead us to care. Lord, help me to be less offended. Come on. We could camp out on that one a while. Help me to be less offended. God, I seem to get ticked off about everything. Help me to be less ticked off. I mean, you use your language. But you know what's beautiful? God meets us in that place. God meets us in that space. There's not an area or arena of your life that the Holy Spirit's activity isn't going to be part of it. You know this. You may think I'm being sacrilegious. You know Jesus was like, Lord, I need some help with Judas. I know he's been stealing some of the money. Help me. Help me. Like we get one account. You know it's been ongoing. And maybe part of it was like, Holy Spirit, I need your help because I'm about to take Judas out. No, no, no. We don't want that. No, don't. No, I'm sort of, sort of him. But can I tell you, that's the activity we can walk with in our life. God, I just, I just lost my job. How am I going to provide? How am I going to make a difference? God, my, 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 my grandma just got this report. How, how do I approach this? How are you wanting me to approach this? God, you, you've seen the behavior of my boss. <laughs> Haven't you? <laughs> Lord, I need your help. How, how, Jesus, how would you handle it, man? We've all got our rocks. We're ready to rock and we are loaded. 8.15, Monday morning, we about ready. How would you want me to, oh, okay, Holy Spirit. You, you mean I can leave my weapons at home? Okay, okay. We've got to invite him in. But here's a cup, the other key aspect. We've got to keep practicing it and practicing it and practicing it. Can I tell you? It's leaving an impression on the next generation. It's leaving an impression on the next generation. Generations are awakening. Our culture is awakening. What about those Christians? Do they believe what they believe? Because I checked their social media and I'm getting confused. I've seen the way they talk in the coffee shop. Is that? I'm confused. Come on. The Holy Spirit's empowering us to be His witness to the light of the world around us. Amen? And for you personally, I want you, to, I want you to know this. For you personally, maybe the next step in your walk with God is to begin inviting the Holy Spirit. Lord, help me to hear you. Help me to read you more clearly, understand what you're about. It's completely appropriate to ask God, hey, what are you about? 
Like, what, what is the Holy Spirit? Help me, teach me. Can I tell you, it may just transform your life. Amen? We're done. Lord, thank you for this time in your presence. Thank you for your word that is life. Lord, your, your scriptures that are life. Your Holy Spirit that gives us life. Lord, may we know you in greater measure. Lord, would you make it a reality where the words of Jesus said it's to our, to our advantage that he left, that he might send the Spirit. We don't even know what all that means sometimes, God. And for some of us, God, we've got some history where people thought they had a corner, corner on the Holy Spirit and they wigged us out, Lord. They threw us for a loop with some of their thoughts and behavior. We want an authentic experience with you, God. A real relationship. Not just filled with head knowledge, but God, a heart posture of love and surrender. That Father, as Paul said, we would be a people staying in step with your Holy Spirit. I'm reminded just in this prayer, I'm reminded of Ephesians chapter 3, 16 through 19 the Apostle Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus that they would know the height, the width, the depth of God's love for them. And he didn't tell them, go and buy 10 Bibles. He told them, it's going to be God's doing in your life. Keep coming to him in relationship. Keep coming to him in prayer and encounter the living God. That's the invitation for each one of us. God, would we, may, would we know the height, the width, the depth of your love for us? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Last prayer. If you came today because you needed to give your life to Jesus, I'm sorry it took so long to get you to this point. But you need to know God sees you. He knows you. And I'm going to keep it really simple for you. He says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You don't have to have everything figured out. You don't have to have the answers. Just where you are with what you have. Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my past. I repent of my ways. I call you Lord and Savior. Fill me with your spirit. I believe I'm born again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you this morning.